It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. It is our number three of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network, and we've got a tremendous hour coming up for you. We're going to be ending the show by taking a look at some baseball for this Sunday. But on top of that, we've got some Formula One that's going to be coming up in 15 minutes as Mikhail Miranda. He does a great job as our in-house Formula One expert over here. He's the co-host of the Racing Lions podcast. You're able to find that wherever you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, the list goes on and on. We're going to be previewing the Hungarian Grand Prix. And on top of that, we're also going to be talking about him just on how much these lines wind up moving prior to the race because you're able to bet these like sort of midweek and then obviously prior to the race is where a lot of the money does wind up coming in so we're going to be asking about that there's been quite a bit of news out there in the ground or out there in formula one as well so we're going to be talking to Mikhail about that in about 15 minutes we're going to be taking a look at a little bit of the AFC South a little bit in this hour as well as we want to talk about it in hour number two I want to give you guys the fact that I do like the Indianapolis Colts win that division, so we're going to touch upon that a little bit more and do want to pass along that right now we are sort of pre-fight between Nunez and Pena, so anyone that is looking to dive in on this fight, you still have a little bit of a last-second opportunity 
to be able to do so. And if you're looking to bet on this one, money line in terms of Juliana Pena, you're able to find her at a plus 215, minus 255 on Nunes. I have no idea what my producer, Dan Miller, wound up taking. I am not in on this one. I will be a neutral party here, and I will just graciously root for my wonderful producer, who's doing a nice job of pinch hitting here today, to be able to get this one in. He told me that he wanted to play the house. Last time that he wanted to play the house, he wound up seeing an injury, so hopefully I will not have to house our wonderful producer, Dan Miller, tonight for the show. I don't think that there would be a lot of happy people in the Peterson household, so we're just going to root for Dan on this one. We're just going to do absolutely nothing else, but if you're looking at the total rounds prop on this one as well, the over-under is 2.5 with the juice, minus 115 both ways there, and I personally don't have a ton on this, but Ayn Pena was able to get the job done the last time. I've always learned you don't wind up going up against someone like Amanda Nunes twice in a row and wind up coming out victorious twice. That'd be my lean there, but I am a UFC know-nothing here. So this is this is not the time that you want to be blind-tailing. I will tell you that much right now. So we shall see how that fight winds up going, but... What we're going to be seeing as well is what winds up happening in the NFL this season. Like I said, we're taking a look at the AFC South today, and we want to touch upon the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars, they've got nowhere to go but up. But I think that it's interesting to take a look at this Houston Texans team, and I am not bullish on them. At the same time, I do think that their win total might be getting just a little bit too low here because if you do take a look at the schedule and the schedule itself, and this is not a good team. Davis Mills, I recognize that as a rookie, he looked relatively solid. I still am sort of in the camp of, I want to see a little bit more to be able to believe it because you wind up having some, shall we say, garbage time numbers. But I mean, the over of four and a half is right now even money. And let's try to be able to spot some wins. With the Jaguars, you got to expect that the Texans have the possibility to be able to take at least one of those games. They get at the Chicago Bears as well. I recognize it's a road game, but... The Chicago Bears are grody and terrible. So you've got an opportunity there against a guy in Justin Fields that he's pretty much a rookie this season because he was coached by a bunch of buffoons last season. So that is going to be able to help them out a little bit. And then after the bye week, you've got a couple more opportunities with playing host of the Washington Commanders. And I think that the Commanders have a chance for a really bad year for this season. I mean, Carson Wentz, He's had to change his zip code a few different times. And the reason why he's right now in Washington is because while he was with the Indianapolis Colts, he couldn't win as a two-touchdown favorite against the terrible Jacksonville Jaguars to close out the game last season. So that's not good. It's a little bit of a jury's out situation as to what's going to be happening with the Miami Dolphins because a lot of people are anointing the Miami Dolphins as this just really good team that is going to revolutionize football with all their speed. And I don't know. I... I'm not necessarily the world's biggest fan of this Miami Dolphins team. I think that they're going to be punched in the mouth up front, and that's not necessarily going to be leading to the world's greatest situation with them. And, I mean, I just take a look at the ordeal that you've got with the Miami Dolphins, and with Tua, I think that he has the possibility of being a terrific quarterback, but for his own sake, he's got to wind up being able to do a little bit of a better job of feeling the rush, in my opinion, as well. Did a good job in terms of being able to complete passes, towards the middle part of the season as well. But canning Brian Flores, in my opinion, was one of the worst moves I've seen in terms of a head coaching decision in quite a long time. Now, I know that not a lot of people have a lot of reverence for Joe Girardi and what he wanted him doing with the Philadelphia Phillies, but he was with the Miami Marlins. 
he wound up actually winning coach of or manager of the year and then wound up getting fired. I sort of compared the Brian Flores canning to that, a guy that really did a good job with the Miami with the Miami Dolphins. And now all of a sudden he winds up being fired and with the Miami Dolphins. Now they wind up turning it over to some guy that thinks that he's going to be able to revolutionize the game of football with all of his speed. I recognize that he did some good things with the ground game of the San Francisco 49ers, but I mean, Mike McDaniel, I need to see it before I believe it from him. I'm not just going to blindly buy into all the hype like it seems like everyone else has in the football world, so I need to see a little bit more there. So I do think that there might be a little bit of possibility on that front with the Houston Texans as well. And with the Texans, I think that a big thing for the team is just being able to win up front because they've now got a coach in Lovey Smith that I think is perfect for this sort of an operation. He's not a guy that is necessarily going to just wind up taking into his players or anything like that. He's not yes necessarily a yell first guy, but he is someone that preaches good defense, being able to do the little things well, and that's exactly what the team needs. And this is not a terrible offensive line. You've got Justin Britt at the center spot. Laramie Tunsil is one of the better left tackles that you're going to find out there in the NFL as well. This is an offensive line that is going to be able to give Davis Mills a little bit of time. Now, the real question is, what are you going to be able to get out of the ground game to be able to take the edge off? Because now they've got Marlon Mack in the fold. Mack was just Mack trucked last season on the sidelines because he wasn't unable to get out there on the field. But you take a look at what he was able to do with the Indianapolis Colts when he was fully healthy. So you have to go back to the 2019 season. He was a 1,000-yard rusher, a guy that was able to average right around 4.5 yards per carry. If you have a fully healthy Marlon Mack that is able to stay out there on the field. Now, the ifs are very, very big. And as we all know, if ifs were fifths, we would all be drunk. But, I mean, if Marlon Mack is able to stay out there on the field, you've got something with this Texans offense. I'm not going to say that it's something terrific, but you've got something with this Houston Texans offense. And that alone should be able to get the team to four and a half wins. Keep in mind, they now play 17 games and not 16 games. So all you need to do is merely have this team be able to win five of them. And you know what? You wind up being able to get there now. Defense, it's going to need that lovey lovey Smith touch because it's not necessarily too terrific. Now, I think that there's a lot of upside here with someone like a Rasheem Green. He was able to get six and a half sacks last season former third-round pick out of USC, who's been able to show a little bit of promise. So I think that they could actually wind up having him be able to overachieve a little bit. They've been done a good job of being able to draft some guys up front. When it comes to the secondary, Derek Singley Jr. and company, they are going to really need to step up for this team. They're a little bit raw. They're a little bit young, but they're in a division in which you don't necessarily have two tremendous passing games. The one passing game that I'm really feeling bullish on, once again, that would be the team that I've picked to win this division. That'd be the Indianapolis Colts because now you've got a guy in Matt Ryan who he was surrounded by complete and utter garbage last season. Now he winds up taking over a Colts team that you've got Michael Pittman Jr. out there on the outside at the wide receiver spot. Jonathan Taylor, he was absolutely incredible for the team last year. He wanted being able to put up 1,800 plus yards, a transcendent running back, one the best in the game right now. I absolutely love the way that this team is set up and this is a secondary that able to build around as well. So I do think that there's going to be very good things for the Colts. But I mean, outside of that, the Tennessee Titans offense and their passing game, that's not going to strike fear into you. And once again, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, they're a little bit of a work in progress. And I do think that there's going to be able to be some signs of brightness for them throughout the entirety of the season. But with the Texans, a little bit of an albatross, them being their secondary, that's not necessarily going to hurt them as much as it would in, say, Oh, the AFC West, where 
your worst quarterback in the division is Derek Carr. And he would legitimately be up there with Matt Ryan for being the best quarterback in this division. So I think just by the schedule and the schedule alone, you should be able to have the Texans be able to get, I would say, two wins within the division. If they're able to knock off the Chicago Bears, they wind up having a few other favorable games. That should be able to get them to the five wins that you need to be able to cash this over. So I do think that the hate has wound up going a little bit too far with this team. And if I would be looking at any team under, it would be the Tennessee Titans. Just because with the Titans, I just still have my question marks with what you're going to be able to get out of Derrick Henry this season after he wound up being a little bit banged up last season. The wide receiving core, it's just not what it was last season. And the Titans, once again, what are we going to be able to get out of this defense? It has been a little bit of a hot mess for this team in recent seasons. Now, they did wind up stepping up towards the second half of the season. I've got to give credit where credit is due. First half of the year for the Tennessee Titans, not great. Second half of the year, they were able to do a very good job, and I think that Mike Bravel is really forming himself as being one of the better coaches out there in the NFL, someone that you're able to trust in. They wind up giving up 17 points or fewer in really four out of their last five games. And if you want to go 20 points or fewer, I think that they wanted being able to do so in pretty much four out of their last five. So it was actually three out of their last four that they wanted giving up these 17 points or fewer, but still able to come through, able to do a relatively solid job there. But with the Tennessee Titans as well, you still have to question a little bit about what you're going to be able to get out there in the secondary. They did wind up trading away AJ Brown in the offseason as well. So you've got your, shall we say, concerns there. And Taylor Luan, has not been able to live up to his billing up there in the offensive line as well. So I think that this Tennessee Titans team, they're the team that I'd be looking at in terms of an under with regards to season win total. I'd like the Colts to be able to win the division. And Houston Texans have four and a half wins. You know what? I think that the hate has wound up going a little bit too far there. But the love for Formula One, it's got to be continuing on the other side. Mikhail Miranda does a great job with the Racing Lions podcast. He is going to be joining me next right here on VEASAN Esports Bank Network. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals, each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. We're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. And no longer am I alone on the desk as Mikhail Miranda. He does a great job with the Racing Lions podcast. You're able to find that wherever your podcast or slash podcast. He's our in house Formula One expert and also my audio engineer on this fine program. He is joining me, and Mikhail, it is always great to have you aboard whenever we wind up getting one of these Formula One races, and I know that this one is a good one. Thank you so much for joining me on the desk. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me tonight. And Mikhail, we've got a lot of news to catch up upon in terms of the Formula One world ever since we wound up talking about seven or so days ago. A lot has happened. Just lay it out there because we wound up seeing some very funky things wind up happening, qualifying, and... This has just been a Formula One world that has been pretty much churned on on top of his head over the last few days. It has been wild. Oh, it's been absolutely wild. First, I'm going to start off with some heartbreaking news. Uh, one of my favorite drivers, which was the first driver that actually my family knew about when we were back home in the bar when I was a wee lad. That like, it was on a Ferrari team that won. Uh, it was Red Bull at the time that won back in 2010, and it was. Uh, Sebastian Vettel. So we got heartbreaking news that he is retiring at the end of this year. Uh, we saw some news come out like, ooh, where's he going to be next year? Is he going to be with Aston Martin? We saw something happen back in the last race and we're like, huh, he didn't take that thing against Stroll. He could have taken 10th, but maybe he's just being calculative about his playing. And so 
it was just very interesting to see that and then he came out with uh i am leaving so uh yeah it's, it's very heartbreaking yeah that's not necessarily the news that race fans were certainly hoping for but with that said it is certainly something that he's felt like was going to be a little bit of an inevitability but with regards to what we want to see in qualifying that was very strange as well because i mean typically on this show we talk about oh Max Verstappen, he's like minus 150 to win the race. We're now fighting him at plus 900 as right now your short shot to be able to win it. That would be Charles Leclerc. He's finding himself right around about a plus 150, depending upon where you look right now, seeing him more like a plus 155 at DraftKings. What in the world happened with qualifying? Because it was George Russell that wound up winning. Verstappen winds up finishing in 10th. You wind up having Lando Norris wind up finishing in the top four. These are not the normal names that are at the top that wanted finishing at the top in terms of qualifying. I know. I'm so excited. I made a graphic for myself. I'm like, George Russell on pole. I'm wearing my Mercedes JSC underneath this jumper. Just saying. But oh my God. He was matching Carlos Sainz's pace. And he just took it. Last corner came out. I'm like, George, come on. Okay, top three. Top three. And I see pole. Yes! I'm screaming. My girlfriend's like, please don't do that. You scared me. I'm like, uh, I'm sorry. But, like, it was so exciting to see. I was screaming my lungs off. I'm like, yes, he's on pole. And um, Max Verstappen, no power in the engine. It just darted on him, and he was on radio saying, fix this, fix it. And uh, he got out with about a minute left, minute not 30, and he could not do anything. The car was just not there. He could not put in a lap. But uh, interesting to see. You mentioned it before that he has been minus money all year except for the start of the season. The last two races, including this one, he is plus money. He has been plus money, and he is now even more plus money. Uh, right before I came on, I actually took Max Verstappen to be uh, the race winner, and it moved from plus 130 to 7 to 1. And I was like, yes, <laughs> let me take it. Yeah, a lot of people think he's starting in 10th position. He's all the way in the back. But again, it's been a Red Bull Ferrari dominant season. You, have, you need to know Max Verstappen, and if you look at him, know his race craft, know his pace, and know that he gets his elbows out, he can actually win the race. Especially that this track is like Monaco without uh, the walls. Max Verstappen is really good at Monaco, and Hungary is just like that. A nice, good downfall circuit with high speeds. He's going to go and take it. So I took Max Verstappen uh, pre-qualifying at plus 120. And I did get him right before coming on here at uh, 7-1. So I did take him again to win. And see how some more bets. Fernando Alonso, uh, top 6 finish. Lando Norris, top 6 already looking good. Even though the race hasn't started. And Mick Schumacher, points finish. And Mick Schumacher actually is starting in 15th position. A uh, bit of a long shot, I know. But... It's fun to take Mick Schumacher. He's got the race pace. He has finished in the points uh, in a couple races behind. So I think he can do this. Uh, he's got the race craft. He's got the car. Even though the, everyone's saying Haas has not been able to hook it up. But come race day, when the fuel load is much heavier, I think Mick Schumacher can, can pull something to get there in the top 10. And you mentioned something very interesting with Verstappen and how far the line has moved on him. Right now at DraftKings, I'm seeing him at 9-1 to one and... Something that I always love to do with any sport is just trying to be able to find a way to be able to get some value like via overnight numbers. We see it in baseball all, all the time. A team that maybe opens up a minus 150 favorite. By the time first pitch winds going off, 
They're more around minus 180 and minus 185. But with Formula One, I feel like it's so much different. Talk about just firing in like midweek, Wednesday, Thursday on some of these racer on some of these odds to be able to win outright. Some of these guys to wind up having like a top six, things like this, because unlike in baseball where it's sort of like, okay, you wind up having your game before, but the starting pitcher that's going to be going on Sunday, obviously did not wind up pitching on Saturday. You've got these guys that they go through qualifying and these numbers, it feels like they just move so drastically based on qualifying where you could wind up finding Max Verstappen as like a favorite if he or at like plus 150 going into qualifying. He then is minus mo- minus money in a normal week. This week, he goes from being like, like you said, plus 120, plus 125. Now he's 9-1. to one. So just talk about the movement that we wind up seeing just throughout the week. So when the numbers first came out, it's like who's carrying momentum forward from the previous race? And sometimes we have a week or two weeks. We're coming up on summer breaks. You're going to have about three, four weeks in between from Hungary to the next race. Uh, so what the numbers usually come out around Tuesday, Wednesday, which is what right midweek. And I like to jump on the race winners because I think you get some good money there. And I would sometimes have to look at the points in top six because... Once we get closer to qualifying and post-qualifying, everyone is now in park fermi, which is basically you cannot touch the setup of the car. That is it. Whatever you have is what you have. You're racing without on race day. If you mess with it, you will get penalized when it comes down to the race. So that's why you see numbers shift so drastically because you'll see how teams set up their car and depends what they really favor. Would they favor one lap or would they favor the race on Sunday because tracks like Hungary, Monaco, track position is vital. Wherever you start is possibly and most likely where you are going to finish. So yes, I have taken Max Verstappen to win the race and he's starting in P10. He could possibly finish in P10, but Hungary is a little bit more uh, susceptible to taking uh, overtakes. So you can get the overtakes, you can get more uh, into the pit stops and get an overcut on them. So the numbers change because uh, teams have to look at what their strategies are going to be, whether they're going to favor Saturday or they're going to favor Sunday. And that's where you see numbers go from plus money to minus money or plus money to even longer shots. Uh, that's exactly what happens uh, throughout the week. And you bring up something very interesting as well about overtakes. And I know that there are a lot of fans of NASCAR out there, and I'm not sure if you're able to quantify it in terms of this, but typically with NASCAR, you'll find someone that winds up starting towards the back of the pack, they're able to work their way up. In Formula 1, you darn near never see that. How much more difficult is it to wind up passing someone, have an overtake in Formula 1 rather than NASCAR? Because what I've noticed in watching both of these sort of disciplines in recent weeks has been, it's just so much more difficult to wind up having a pass in Formula 1. So passing in Formula 1 is a bit more difficult just because of the way the cars are built. Uh, The aerodynamics, uh, if you look in prior years, uh, the downforce came from the top of the car. So what this does is it basically sends out dirty air because the car is like, ooh, let me get some clean air. And it does its stuff. And then when it gets to the back of the car, it's like, I don't want the person behind me to get a nice, good clean air from me. So it sort of scatters the air and makes the car a little bit more undrivable. This year, they've changed it around and made the aerodynamics work on the underfloor of the car. So everything is being sucked into the bottom of the car and then being released at a really steep angle. So it gives you a better chance of overtaking. So we have a lot more closer racing this year than we've had in the past decade or so. 
So that made it, but it's still quite hard to overtake because when you get to close about a meter or so, you still have about like 30% of dirty air coming out from the car in front of you. I think that that's a good way that you wound up putting it there because, I mean, it has been very wild to take a look at these races this season. And when it comes to what we're going to be getting in the Grand Prix, I know you've got Norris to be able to finish in the top six. You've taken Verstappen outright, so we shall see if that winds up happening. And when it regards to if anyone's looking to fire in right now in the last 30 or so seconds, is there anything that maybe didn't make your card that right now after qualifying, maybe you would be looking into a little bit more? George Russell for a top six and maybe Lewis Hamilton uh, somewhere in the points. I know the point right now with Lewis Hamilton, there's not much there. But uh, George Russell for the win, he's at three to one almost. He's plus 290 at DraftKings. So. I love it. Mikhail always provides great content, always does a great job breaking down these races. Thank you once again for joining me on the desk. Thank you so much. Always great to have Mikhail aboard. And coming next, we hit the diamond for Sunday right here on VSIN, the Sports Bang Network. You're experiencing Hoops Peterson himself on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Barn and a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon. It can be for free for cash all season long. Enter into weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head on over to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to be able to dive in on the action. Blue Moon made brighter. 21 years or older terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com for details and as always, please do drink responsibly as we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Oops Peterson. And if you want to dig in the over at any point in the Cubs versus the Giants game, boy, was it an experience. And you wound up getting the over as the San Francisco Giants, who entered into the night one of the most poopy bullpens out there in the big leagues. As a matter of fact, out of your 30 MLB teams, 26th, they did nothing to be able to help out their cause. The Giants, who are up by kind of 5-1 to one going into the ninth inning, they preserve the win, but they give up a three spot in the ninth inning. So if you want to dig in the over of eight, you get there. If you want to dig in the live over that I was touting on this show, it gets there. 5-4 to four is the final as you wind up having Junior Marte. Is that a parte for Mr. Junior Marte? He winds up giving up two runs at one and two-thirds innings. Dominic Leon gets a save while not being able to complete the inning as... For the Cubs, unfortunately for them, Drew Smiley was able to give them a big giant frowny face as he wound up giving up a pair of homers, giving up five runs over the course of four innings. But Giants wind up helping you out with regards to your over. And if you're taking a look forward to the game that we're going to be seeing on Sunday, how about if we take a look at this one? Certainly something to take note of. 961-962 on the board. You've got the Chicago Cubs. They're going to be on the road. Basically off against the San Francisco Giants as Carlos Rodon is going to be going for the San Francisco Giants and Adrian Sampson on the bump for the Cubs. Cubs find themselves as sizable underdogs anywhere between plus 160 and plus 174. And with the Giants, going to be getting them between minus 178, minus 190 with 7.5 being your total. Now, this is one in which I'm going to be taking a look at the under on because I do think that Carlos Rodon, after back-to-back starts in which he wound up giving up five runs, it is going to be a case in which he's going to be able to bounce back. And for Rodon, he did not deserve the runs that he wound up surrendering against the L.A. Dodgers. If you wanted seeing that start, it was one of the first games coming out of the All-Star break. 
he wound up having. I believe it was Luis Gonzalez who was the one that was in the outfield. Completely lost the ball in the lights. Was a can of corn fly ball. Would have kept him to giving up two runs over the course of about four or so innings. And then from there, he'd be able to build himself up. But instead, loses the ball in the lights. Winds up turning into a calamity of an inning for Carlos Rodon. And for Carlos Rodon, he actually has a fielding independent that is significantly better than his ERA. As a matter of fact, among National League qualifying starters, he has the best fielding independent of any qualified starter in the National League. 318 ERA, 241 fielding independent, giving up a half a home run per nine innings, 11 half strikeouts per nine innings. The guy has been rock solid. He's been getting a little bit unlucky this season, though. Meanwhile, you take a look at Adrian Sampson, and I'm going to make the argument that he's been getting a little bit lucky. Now, this is not the same guy that wound up having a north of five ERA out there in the KBO. He's been able to do a better job ever since he wanted coming back from South Korea, but certainly should not wind up having right around about a 320 ERA thus far this season. And you take a look at his entire tenure with the Cubs. This dates back to late last season as well. He's been able to wind up making seven long relief appearances and 11 starts for the Cubs. He's got a fielding independent of a 454 and a 301 ERA giving up only about two walks per nine innings. His command has been very solid, but not a swing and miss guy. He's getting fewer than six strikeouts per nine innings. And for both of these teams, well, the bullpens have not necessarily been terrific throughout the season. Now, the one thing that you're able to say for the Cubs is that over the last 40 days, this has been a Cubs team that they've got a top eight bullpen in terms of ERA. Going into tonight, and we're actually posting up some rock solid numbers with having Michael Givens, David Robertson, throwing their Scott Efres, all giving you a 3-2 ERA or greater. And as a matter of fact, for the Chicago Cubs, ever since we are going to call it June 18th, they've got a 268 bullpen ERA, by far the best out there in the National League. As a matter of fact, they're the only team in this span in the National League with better than a 308 bullpen ERA. So they've actually been able to do a good job on that front end for the San Francisco Giants. In that time span, with what wound up happening tonight, it's north of a 5 ERA. That is not necessarily too terrific. Now, if you look at the advanced numbers, going into tonight, they wound up having a 496 bullpen ERA. It winds up going north of 5 with the runs that they wind up along in the ninth inning. But the fielding independent was a 444. So, once again, a little bit indicative that they've been getting a tad bit unlucky. And with the San Francisco Giants, they just do a really good job of platooning because this is not a offense that has necessarily been too terrific with regards to really any of their mashers. You have had Jock Peterson be able to give you 17 home runs, but he's been out of the fold recently for the team. Therio Estrada, he's been able to ride around at 260. He's been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers. Austin Slater, Yerma Mercedes, these guys have been able to get on base, but Joey Bart, Dom Villar, you're able to throw in there Darren Ruff, Mikey Stremski, all these guys are in at 227 or lower. And what I will say about the Chicago Cubs is that we had a pair of guys in Wilson Contreras along Patrick Wisdom who have been able to give you about 32 home runs thus far this season. Nico Horner, he's been able to about a 295 for the team. And you got a lot of guys getting on base. Horner along with Ian F. You're able to throw in there Wilson Contreras as well as Rafael Ortega. All are giving you at least a 323 on base. You've had P.J. Higgins be able to step up as well for this team. So I do think that it is going to be a little bit tough for the San Francisco Giants with regards to their bullpen to be able to sign me them. But I think that Carlos Rodon going to be able to go north of six innings in this spot. I think that he's going to be able to deliver a tremendous start for the San Francisco Giants. And for the Giants, they did wind up saving a few of their bullets for this game as well as you did wind up having Jarlon Garcia wind up playing in this one, but he only wound up throwing 13 pitches. You still have a few guys 
that did not wind up going there. A little bit more trustworthy for the team as well. Someone like a John Brebbia has been able to post up a sub-3 ERA. And you have Camilo Duvall, who's going to be waiting in the wings in this one as well. So I'm going to be one to take a look at it under. I do think that Rodon going to be able to deal. And Adrian Sampson doing for a little bit of regression. This is going to be the Sunday Night Baseball game as well. So keep that in mind. I'm going to be looking at an under. And I'm willing to lay the run line with the San Francisco Giants. As I do think that they're going to be able to get to Sampson. And I think that this is a spot in which... Just got to trust Carlos Rodon to be able to do Carlos Rodon-like things. For those of you guys that have a little bit of action with regards to the UFC fight that's going on between Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunes, I did find out during the break that our wonderful producer, Dan Miller, he is actually on Amanda Nunes. Right now, if you're looking to bet this live, Nunes, a minus 1,800 favorite. She wanted getting three knockdowns in the first two rounds. Very solid there. You've got the Rollins prop over. You've already got that one in the bag, so you're able to feel secure about that one. We shall see what winds up happening if this winds up going to a decision, but right now, Amanda Nunes looking relatively solid in this fight. I will keep you guys up to date there, but how to keep you guys up to date as to what to get on Sunday as well as we've been taking a look at the interleague matchups, and I've been able to do a solid job there. How about if we wind up going to the National League, and we wind up seeing a flip of starters here, and we've seen a line move as a result. 953 and 954 on the betting board. St. Louis Cardinals on the road facing off against the Washington Nationals. Josiah Gray is going to be going because Paul Espino wanted to get moved up a day for the Washington Nationals and wound up having his start on Saturday. And Andre Palanti is going to be on the bump for St. Louis. St. Louis opened up when it was supposed to be Espino versus Palanti, a minus 150 favorite. Now at DraftKings, you're finding them at a minus 115. You're getting the Cardinals anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Between even money and minus 105 is your price on Washington with your total at 9. And I have no idea why we've seen nearly a 40-cent move on this game. Because if you take a look at Josiah Gray, his numbers overall for the season are not too bad. But you've got to keep in mind the splits with Josiah Gray. And you've got to keep in mind the fact that Josiah Gray is giving up the deep ball. And boy, is he giving up the deep ball. With Josiah Gray on the road this season, he has been able to post up right around a 240 ERA. He has been rock solid for this bunch. At home, Josiah Gray, north of a 6-5 ERA, allowing more than two home runs per nine innings. And overall, he's allowing more than two home runs per nine innings, resulting in his 445 ERA now with Josiah Gray as well. It's not even like you take a look at the advanced numbers and he's just markably better or anything like that. He is getting 10.5 strikeouts per nine innings, but his field league independent is a 532. And yet we are making a 35-cent line move for Josiah Gray over Paul Espino, which Paul Espino, I recognize he's nothing special as a starter, but I mean, come on, that's just a little bit disrespectful to a guy that does a good job of being able to limit the walks as giving up the deep ball a little bit himself, but I feel like that's both a little bit too respectful to Josiah Gray and a little bit too disrespectful to Paulo Espino. But then you take a look at Andre Palanti. He himself does wind up having his warts with Palanti. Not a guy that's going to get a lot of strikeouts. Very much a pitcher contact guy. He's getting only about 6.2 strikeouts per nine innings. 3.2 walks per nine innings. And he's got a fielding independent that's right around 0.7 points higher than his 3.53 ERA. Palanti has had his struggles on the road, posting up a little bit north of a 4 ERA as well. But... With Washington Nationals, even though the bullpen ERA has actually been in the top half of the big leagues over the last 40 days, hard to have a lot of faith in them. Andres Machado has not necessarily been too terrific. Kyle Finnegan has north of a 3-5 ERA. And then with the St. Louis Cardinals, you've got 
quite a few guys like Ryan Elsley, who's been very solid. Selbon ERA. Genesis Cabrera is able to give you multiple innings. He's posted up a sub-2-5 ERA. Packy Naughton, Yohan Oviedo. They're able to fill some innings as well. We will tie up this loose end on the other side. Give you guys my DK Nation pick for Sunday after we wind up polishing up this game in the final segment of the Greg Peterson experience. So that is going to be coming up next as you're listening right here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast NBA DNA with Hannah Storm digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. 
players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hoops Peterson himself on VSN, the Sports Betting Network. The College Football Guide is out right now, and the Pro Football Guide is soon to come. There's no better way to prepare for the college and the pro football seasons as our experts provide profiles on every single team with advanced sets and power ratings. Plus, best bets on season win totals, division finishes, player awards, and much more. Reserve your copy of both Pro Football Betting Guides today and get access to everything that we offer for the entirety of the football season with a VEASAN all-access subscription. Make this football season your best ever. Subscribe now at VEASAN.com slash subscribe as it is final segment of the Greg Peterson Experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network, and we've got you covered all throughout the day here on VEASAN, and We've got you covered with a little bit of everything, getting prepared for the upcoming NFL and college football seasons. We got you covered with regards to the baseball slate. We're going to be diving into those games in a second as well. We've got you covered with regards to taking a look at futures across all these sports. And for those of you guys that want to firing in on the UFC fight, Amanda Nunes winds up being able to get the job done over Juliana Pena. Much to the delight of my producer, Dan Miller, he will not have to wind up sleeping out there on the corner as he said that he wound up betting the house on this one. I don't know what the house is, but congratulations to Dan Miller. You did not wind up losing your house tonight. So good on you there. That is something that we like to see on the show, people not losing houses. So good work to Dan Miller and Amanda Nunes who wind up getting the job done by unanimous decision in this one. Very good fight, by the way, if you wind up being able to tune into that one. But let's take a look at the MLB, I was talking about this game just a second ago, the Cardinals and the Washington Nationals. I was alluding to it, the fact that I feel like the Washington Nationals are being right around even money in a lot of spots. This line has moved way too far as the Cardinals wound up opening up right around a minus 150 favorite when it was supposed to be Andre Pallanti against Paulo Espino. Espino winds up getting moved up a day, so Josiah Gray is out in the fold for the Washington Nationals. But I do take a look at this Nationals team, and currently they're dead last in the National League in terms of home runs. That's a little bit of an issue. I did want to say my total at a 9.7, though, despite this fact, just because you do have a St. Louis Cardinals lineup that you do have a pair of guys in Nolan Arenado along Paul Goldschmidt that they've been able to provide a grand total of 42 home runs this season. Nolan Arenado has been able to hit right around a 300, and then you got Goldschmidt. Right now, the odds-on favorite to be able to win MVP. He's been able to do a very solid job. His on-base percentage hovering right in the neighborhood about a 430, but... That said, if you want to be hearing the top of the show, and if you want to missing it, visa.com slash podcast for that, you've got someone in Austin Riley that I feel like should be rising up the board very, very quickly. And for the St. Louis Cardinals, you do have a bullpen that it did wind up getting a little bit taxed yesterday. That winds up hurting them a little bit, but and with Washington Nationals, they wind up using up their bullpen actually a little bit more than that of the St. Louis Cardinals as well. And with the Nationals, you've got a guy in Juan Soto who's been able to do a good job of being able to put back to ball 20 home runs thus far this season, but got a lot of guys sort of hitting in that fold of, we're going to call it about a 235 
3250. Kiba Ruiz, Michael Franco, Victor Robles, Cesar Hernandez. You've got Soto, who I mentioned a little bit earlier. All these guys are in that fold. And Nelson Cruz, he's now falling to right around about at 230 in terms of his batting average as well. So I don't think that you've got quite enough firepower for the Nationals to be able to get it done. I'm looking at the Cardinals in the spot. Very stunned to see the line move as far as it did. And I did wind up saying Matola at a 9.7. You've got Josiah Gray with the fielding independent, well north of five. A not-so-impressive Washington Nationals bullpen and a guy in Andre Pilotti, who I think is doing for quite a bit of regression as well. So looking over, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Cardinals. Now let's go into the DK Nation pick as we go to the interleague game of 977-978 on the bang board. Baltimore Orioles hit the road to face off against the Cincinnati Reds. We are on to Cincinnati, and they're on to Nick Lodolo getting the start for them, and Austin Voth is going to be going for Baltimore. Baltimore between a plus 105 and a plus 108 underdog. And when it comes to the Reds, between minus 115 and minus 125 is your price on them. Nine is the total. And I feel like the Orioles should be the favorite of right around minus 115 in this situation. With Austin Voth, you know that he's not going to wind up lending a lot of length. But what you do know is that the team has been pretty steady when he's been on the mound. This is going to be start number seven for Voth when he's been out there. The team has went five and one in his starts and for Voth as well. We've seen a big, giant turnaround since he was with the team I was talking about a second ago, Washington Nationals. While he was with the Nationals, he had an ERA that was north of 10, with opponents hitting a 386 off of him. Meanwhile, batting average ever since he's gotten to Baltimore, 248, and he's posted up a 338 ERA. I mean, the Orioles have been able to work wonders with him, and then with Baltimore as well. With the way that the game wound up shaking out against the Cincinnati Reds, they wound up pretty much using both Solzer in long relief for this bunch. So that means that you've got Felix Batista, Dylan Tate, Orde Lopez, Joey Crevo, Keegan Aiken, all these guys available in the bullpen who have a 2.42 ERA or better. Now they're going to need to piecemeal together a lot of innings as it's a Orioles team that have gotten four and a third innings or less in all but one of both his starts thus far this season. But the Orioles... Number three in terms of bullpen ERA in the big league side with the Detroit Tigers for that moniker as both have a three ERA. Meanwhile, the Cincinnati Reds, they are dead last in the league. In terms of bullpen ERA at a 526. No other team entering into Saturday, by the way, entered with a ERA above a 464. So that tells you how it's by a country mile that the Cincinnati Reds are by far the worst bullpen out there in the big league sound. With the Reds, you do have one guy there you're able to trust in, in Alexis Diaz. He's been able to post up a sub-3 ERA. He's actually been very good for the team, but Jeff Hoffman has been a little bit banged up. He being out the full, now why it's hurting them. But you've got Dari Moretta, Revier Sim Martin, Hunter Strickland, all these guys posting up north of a 5 ERA. It has been really bad for them. Now, the good news for the Reds is that they do have a little bit of help in terms of the lineup as Brendan Drury has been able to pound out 19 home runs. He's been able to right around at 270 for the team. And you do have quite a few guys that are sort of fitting in that neighborhood. We're going to call it about a 240 to a 255. Kyle Farmer, Jonathan India has been able to really rise up ever since he wound up being out towards the beginning part of the season. Traded away Taylor Naguin, unfortunately, or else he'd be in this fold as well along Tommy Pham. So these guys have been able to do a relatively solid job. But then you take a look at the Baltimore Orioles, and you got to feel like they've got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder as well because we've been hearing for the last few days that Trey Booba Mancini is probably going to be traded at the deadline. You got to feel like they want to do everything possible to get some wins so that way that instead of being sellers, they wind up being buyers at the deadline. I don't know if they would necessarily buy, but with that said, I'm sure that they would love nothing more than to do that. But with Trey Bubu Mancini hitting about a 270, he's been able to give the team a double-digit amount of homers. And then 
on top of that, you've got all these guys in Ryan McKenna, Anthony Santander, Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, Ramon Arias, Ryan Mountcastle, all in between a 247 to 261. And then with Mountcastle, Hayes, Urias, and Santander, these guys all have at least 11 home runs. So you've got a lot of balance with regards to this Baltimore Orioles team. And then even someone at the bottom of the fold, like an Ore Mateo. He's only been able to hit a 215 this season, but his 24 stolen bases right now lead the league. Cedric Mullins, he's got 22. That's one of the top marks that you're able to find out there in the big leagues. The Orioles are just doing the little things to be able to make them successful. The Reds, those are currently eluding them right now. And with Nick Lodolo, he has been able to get 13 strikeouts for nine innings. That is very impressive. What's not impressive is the fact that he's giving up nearly a home run and a half for nine innings. He's got a 473 ERA. He has given up at least three runs in four out of his seven career starts. And the seven career starts means that he's not necessarily used to being up at the big league level. Has been banged up for much of the season. Has given up right around four walks per nine innings as well. I do think that the Baltimore Orioles should be the favorite in this spot. Got a lot of guys that have suffered through a lot of losing seasons. It feels like they're a little bit hungry. I think that they're going to be able to be able to get the job done. They've been doing their part every single time. Both has wound up taking them on. I think that they're going to be able to do so once again. This is also Great American Ballpark where it is about as hitter-friendly as it gets. Second most hitter-friendly ballpark out there, really, other than, I would say, Coors Field. So I'm going to be taking a look at an over set my total a little bit north of nine. And with the Orioles, they are the DK Nation pick. Their money line. How about if we wind up hitting up on this interleague game that when I was coming on the show is just starting to get up there on the board. Now we've got numbers up on it across the board. 979-980. Minnesota Twins are on the road facing off against the San Diego Padres as Chamonix is going to be going for the pods. And Dylan, shall we call him Al Bundy, is going to be going for the Minnesota Twins. And San Diego, in between about a minus 148 to a minus 155. Favorite between plus 135 and plus 140. Your price on the Twins with a total of 8.5. I do think that the 8.5 has went a little bit too far. San Diego still one of the most pitcher-friendly ballparks out there in the big leagues. Now, you do have a pair of starters with north of a 4 ERA, but I'm willing to lay up to a minus 152 with the Padres. If you're looking at the Padres run line, in between about a plus 135 to a plus 140. A little bit of decision time, but I would rather take the money line just because with the Padres, Taylor Rogers has not been as great in the bullpen as he was towards the beginning of the season. Has posted up north of 20 saves, but now as an ERA, that is a little bit north of four. That is a big-time issue. And then with the Minnesota Twins, you do have a pair of guys, Griffin Jackson along Giovanni Moore or Yohan Duran, who have been able to give you an ERA. That is sub three. Both of these guys are able to fill multiple innings, but with the Padres, feels like they're starting to get good at the right time with regards to their offense. With the Minnesota Twins, it's been a little bit touch and go for them as they do have Luis Rice being able to be a table setter for the scene, but not a lot of power outside of Byron Buxton. So looking at the Padres and looking at the under and something that we're taking a look forward to, the football season, the betting guys are out here at Beeson. We've got you locked and loaded with everything that you need to have successful seasons in pretty much every betting market humanly possible right here at the Sports Betting Network. place your next bet visit vcin.com for all the latest data and powerful betting tools start with our live odds team comparisons and previews for every game on the schedule then dive deeper with live tracking of betting trends and line movements and don't miss our unique tool and don't miss our unique tool and don't miss our unique tool and don't miss our it's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey Jeff 
Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 